Well, we, we're mixing things up a, a little today, and uh, we don't normally have the word up front. We normally start with some singing, but uh, we are launching a new worship series today, so I thought we would just change it up a little bit, and uh, every week will be a little different. Uh, week three, for example, we're going to strip it down a bit and do some acoustic worship. Today is um, also like a, a 24 Sky Sunday, which is a worship team that has come in out of this church and recorded three albums, busy with the fourth, and we're going to have the, the whole team here tonight for a kind of a worship night together. So I really want to encourage you to come back as well. We're only going to sing a couple songs a little later today, but tonight we're going to sing a whole bunch more, and Graydon and Tom are going to come down from Maritzburg and, and and be with us tonight. Um, but before we get into the message series, also just wanted to say that tomorrow we are honoring a whole bunch of volunteers at our church. We're going to have an evening here. We're going to eat a pizza together. And we've actually got Aaron and Lisa McElroy that are going to be entertaining us here tomorrow at church. If you have not RSVP'd, if you are a volunteer and you haven't yet clicked the link that you've been sent, um, can we still slip them in? Maybe. Just maybe, please, like literally by lunchtime today, because we need to be able to plan and prepare. I know there's been already been over 100 uh, RSVPs. So if you're a volunteer here at church, um, we would love to have you and just, just honor you guys and just thank you. I mean, when you, uh, you know, I got to church this morning, there were already people here and I got here at about uh, 6.45, but there were already people here. Sound was on. Uh, guys, uh, you know, arriving, coffee team started arriving early for you. You guys, when you drove in, there would have been people in, uh, leading you into the service. There's people in the black shirts in our auditorium right now that are serving you. So uh, I just think they're absolutely incredible, and this church could not function without our volunteers. So can we give a hand for our volunteers? We need about 80 to 100 volunteers to make a service happen on a Sunday. And I'm so grateful for that because I think a lot of us potentially would have grown up in a church where there was the Dumini up front and maybe had one assistant of sorts, you know. But I just think it's amazing that God uses all of us to serve His house. So we are having a, a dinner tomorrow, which is going to be amazing. And uh, I think it's going to be a re real celebration and it's going to be super funny, especially with Oren being here with us. Okay, so to get straight into the series, so we're launching a series today called Closer. And the heart behind this series is that we could understand a little more what it means to worship. We've just finished a series called The Holy Bible. Did you guys enjoy that? Did you get something out of it? Apparently, Colin finished off last week with a cracker and he really encouraged you guys, but also challenged you. And there, there is a saying that he is pastor concrete and I'm pastor soft serve. So you got pastor concrete last week. He gave it to you guys. Um, but I was uh, preaching at uh, my sister and brother-in-law's church up the North Coast and it was amazing to be with them. But we've finished the Bible series and some of the feedback that we've got is it's really been beneficial. And a lot of you guys have a, have a greater understanding of, of the Bible and how it's pieced together and how to read it and how to understand it. If you missed all of it for the last four weeks, you can obviously catch it on our um, digital platforms, our, our YouTube channel. And if you just don't understand the Bible, how to read it, um, you, you, can, you can do that. And I'm gonna tell you now today, and I'm gonna, you, you basically got two months to think about if you wanna join us. But next year, we're gonna go on a journey as a church to read the whole Bible in one year. That might give you a bit of panic right now. You're like, oh, that's a massive task. It's actually not. It's about 10 to 15 minutes of reading a day. And if you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can actually listen to it. So you could listen on the way to work or when you go for a run, you could have a listen to it. And I just think that we need to read the Bible. And I, I really believe that God's called us to do this. 
and no pressure to join us, but I would almost guarantee that if you join us, your life will change like you just could never believe. Your life will be completely changed by the Word of God because it has the ability to do that because it's God's Word. So you've got two months. So maybe, you know, like exercise, you warm up a little bit, okay? Maybe just start reading a few minutes a day, but next year we're gonna take the challenge and we're gonna do a reading plan together. You read like an Old Testament chapter or two, uh, a Psalm, a Proverb, and then a New Testament chapter, and it's gonna really be life-changing. Okay, so that was the Bible series, and the worship series that we're gonna go into is a four-week series helping us understand what worship is all about. I think when I mention the word worship to anyone, they immediately think of songs, right? We're gonna worship God. Well, songs or singing is one of the ways that we get to worship God. It's a whole lot more than that. And right up front, just to say, we are entering a crazy season. Exams, you know, work functions, Christmas coming. Can you believe Christmas is almost here, guys? It, it, this year has just flown by, you know? It's like, because of the last couple of years with COVID, everyone's just made up, you know, and just done everything they can. And um, maybe you're really planning a holiday. Uh, I don't know, my daughter's writing a trick at the moment, and it's, that, that's something to even just get our heads around. But it's crazy season, it's silly season. And I just think it's a season often where people move away from God. You know, the disciplines go out the window, whether it comes to your exercise, your eating, particularly spiritual disciplines. And I'm hoping that this series would build into a time and a season where we actually get closer to God because we're celebrating why Jesus actually came to this earth. So could we get closer to God? And that's why we are putting the season in now, uh, the series now and hopefully that it, we have a good start to next year because we are close to God. Let me say that you may feel a little uncomfortable today. Is that okay? I think we come to church not just to feel comfortable, but to be challenged. It's like doing a marriage course. Sometimes marriage courses can be very uncomfortable. Is that right? Especially if there is a distance between you and your spouse and they ask you to, I've been in marriage courses where they ask you to like kneel together and dance together and some things that maybe a lot of guys like a little bit, you know, not so sure about. And those moments can be uncomfortable, but God really does want intimacy in our relationships, but also intimacy with Him. So that's why it can feel uncomfortable. It'll go up on the screen, but the first statement is this, is we all worship something, every one of us. Non-Christians even, potentially, who are here in the room today or out there, we all worship something. We were actually created by God to worship. That's why you see there's this natural reaction of lifting of hands. I mean, you look at, you go to a music concert or you go to a sporting event, there's this natural worship, okay? We all give our love, and attention to something. We give our adoration to things. And it doesn't necessarily have to be expressed in the way of singing or clapping or dancing. It's basically just love expressed. We all worship something. The next statement is this. Worship is a response to what we actually value most. It's a response to what we value most. Sometimes what we value most could be our jobs, it could be a, a car. I know some of you guys got some nice cars, you know. Uh, if you like my dad, he cleans them all day. We sometimes value money. We value uh, shopping. We can value holidays. We can even value certain relationships. Now, you, you're probably thinking, well, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong 
with valuing those things. I think God wants us to be a good steward of what he's put in our hand. But what consumes our mind the most is probably what you value the most. And God doesn't mind us having things that we value. He just has an issue when it's above him. Did you hear that? He doesn't mind us valuing things, but it's just an issue when we value it more than we value him. Along with creation, we were all created to give pleasure and honor to God. But we have a choice in our life daily with where our attention lies, where our focus lies. And a question that I want to ask you right up front is just be honest with yourself and you don't have to have a show of hands, but is God at the top of the list? Maybe you're saying, well, sometimes he is and that's why I'm here today. And that's great. And the fact that you're here today means that God is somewhere near the top of your list. But often we end up worshiping things in our life that replace God at the top of the list. It can be our time, our schedules, as I said, money, relationships, holidays. Sometimes those things just, the order of priority changes when we put those things first. And maybe right now it's to, to plan Christmas time. And I know for us, you know, as a family, we've got, we haven't seen um, June's family for, for a few years. Her brother and sister don't live in the country. And my brother, who we haven't seen his family for four years. And they're all coming out and it's going to be an amazing family time. And we're busy planning and figuring out how this is all going to work out. And that is something that we value. And that's okay. But do we sometimes become obsessed with things? Because what we worship, you will become obsessed with. What will you become obsessed with, you begin to imitate. And what you imitate, you end up becoming. And if you don't like who you're becoming, I think sometimes when we take an honest look at ourselves, do you ever lie in your bed at night and you, your mind starts to wander and you, you think about who you are as a person, you think about some of the things you did that day or said that day, and I think we all have it. Where we go, I don't know if I like who I am. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that, or I treated my spouse in this way. Do you like who you're becoming? And if you don't, without feeling bad or guilty, but what's on the throne of your heart? because it might just be what you are obsessed with. So there's this imagery in Romans that talks about an exchange, and I'm gonna call it the not so great exchange, and I wanna read this passage to you. It says, for although they knew God, so these are people that were believers, like you and I, they knew God, they were Christians, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking, what was going on in their mind, what they were obsessed with, what they focused on, what they valued became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Because anything besides God being at the throne of our hearts actually becomes futile. Although they claimed to be wise, and if you look at this world at the moment, I mean, intelligence is ramped up, you know, technology is ramped up and everyone feels like they know, you know, what to do and how things should go, and we know what's best. But how is that going for you when you've done things on your own? When you think you know what's best? Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and listen to this, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Now, I'll explain that in a moment, but they exchanged the glory of God for other things. And in those days, they ended up, uh, well, there they, they were sacrifices that they were doing. 
and God created this, uh, you know, this idea of that we would bring sacrifices to him, right? And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But they, they, they felt like they had clever thinking, that they knew a better way. And although like the Bible speaks about they, they brought idols into their lives and maybe you might not have a golden calf in your home physically, but there are things in the form of a golden calf that we bring into our home and into our lives. They're things that take our attention, that take our primary value. Are you all with me? Are you, remember I said you feel a bit uncomfortable. Is that okay? If your seat gets a bit warm, it's, it's a good thing because we're meant to be challenged. I want to give you five things today where we've exchanged potentially God. Things that we've put at the top of our list, okay? And I think it's good for us to take an inventory today and go, okay, maybe I have done that. And we all have them, to be honest. And in preparing for this, I was challenged. You know, as pastors, when we prepare, we don't get up here and in any way, hopefully ever, say we've got these all together and we don't have an issue with these. We all have an issue with these, okay? And I think we, we all have them. And the first is substitution. We all have that thing that we substitute. That one thing that becomes our obsession. And it can't even be something like sports. <laughs> now I'm not saying don't do sport, but we're coming to season, World Cup starting, soccer. Jack Collins already shaking his head because he knows he's in trouble with Tony. He's only allowed to maybe watch a few matches. I don't know. But we have that one thing that we become obsessed with. And it's crazy because the more mature and older you get, you realize that although sport is awesome, it doesn't actually really have a huge impact on your life. Well, that's if you let it. Okay. But it, it can be golf. It can be, I remember I used to play a lot of league squash and I used to play a lot. And then, you know, a season of young kids, I was, I had to actually give it up because I was out like two, three nights a week and then you were practicing and there was a season where I was like, well, something has to give. It's, to be honest, and I'm not, please don't, anyone who's a golfer here, don't, don't throw golf balls at me, okay? Uh, I actually, for the first time in a long time, played at a charity golf day this last week. It was so fun to be out. But one of the reasons I, I really enjoy golf, I really do, I've got a lot of friends that play golf, but in a season of young kids and family, I just, I just didn't have the capacity to really, really get into it because it's like seven, eight hours out of the day. So if I'm gonna play it on Saturday and Sunday after church, I just don't have the time. And I'm not saying if you're a big golfer, and please, if your husband is a big golfer here, you're probably gonna get a nudge from him. Don't, don't throw golf balls at me, please. Okay, but, and, and, but I do play golf, but not often because for me personally, I just don't have the capacity. But these things can become our focus, whatever it is. There's that substitution. And God isn't against any of these. They're all amazing things. It's actually wonderful to get out and play around the golf because you're with your friends and you're out in the open and he's not against these things. But he just doesn't want any of these things to be in a higher place in our heart where they become all-consuming. And for those of you who are golfers, excuse the analogy here today if you are a golfer, but it can become all-consuming. You start to dream of your swing at night and how you're gonna hit the ball and what clubs you need to buy, and, and it's an expensive sport. They reckon golf is more, one of the most expensive sports in the world. Wives, if your husbands have told you it's not, they lie to you, okay? It's very expensive. And it's okay to love it, but just not more than we love God. If you look at the Psalms, there's 150 chapters in the Psalm, and they all got clapping and singing and shouting and dancing. And if we're honest, Saturday potentially looks more like the book of Psalms than Sunday does. 
Anyone watch the rugby last night? Did any of you at any stage stand up and shout at the ref? Did some of you get excited when we were maybe going to score a try like that one or two times? <laughs> Let's be honest. Did anyone stand up and, and clap and shout a little bit? Like a few of you guys, okay. That's just to a TV, right? When you go to the stadium, I had the privilege of going to um, the Springbok game here against Argentina. It was incredible, the atmosphere. The, the anthem and just seeing a stadium fill was amazing. And the people around me just really got into it. And people were standing, people were singing, people were shouting, people were clapping. People arrived four hours before the game. They set up prize. People stayed for hours after the game. And I think sometimes God goes, I just wish you did that for me. Deuteronomy 6 says, do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. He's like, I, I wish you would shout the same way for me. I wish you would show up early for me. Some of you just scraped in here on Sunday for the service. Some of you go straight up to, you, you're gonna just duck out of here because, you know, don't have much time. I'm, I, please, I'm not wanting to make you feel bad, but, but maybe a little uncomfortable. And God's just saying, I just wish you would have that same passion for me. Do you still love me, everybody? Everyone okay? <laughs> Substitution. The second is pride. <whistles> Interesting that the letter I is in the middle of the word. Pride gets in the way, unfortunately. Some of you go, I, I, I want to worship, like particularly when it comes to, you know, this type of worship you're talking about, like singing, hands, and all this stuff. I, like I want to, but I'm just a little scared of what people think, to be honest. Like the person in front of me might just get a fright when I sing. <laughs> and the person behind me is just going to think I'm a little weird, like if I do anything a little strange, you know. Uh, you know, I don't want to be like fanatical about this whole thing. I don't want to be overboard. I don't want to be a, known as a happy clapper or a charismania or whatever you call it. But does that really, really bother you? Some of us are, are so concerned, we give the groomsman pose. You know what the groomsman pose, like hand over, like this. Like so nervous. And I, I do sympathize with some of you, maybe not used to a, a, an environment like this, where it's a little, like, you know, fun, <laughs> particularly in church. I, I remember the first time we went to, so we grew up in a very traditional church, but I remember the first time going to, like, the Harvest Church in Mplonga, and I think uh, it was called City of Life Church in Pantan. I was like, these people are nuts. Seriously, I was like, they, I mean, they're, they're running around and jumping and I mean, they were even flags in one of the services, you know, it's like, and I remember thinking like, I knew the Bible said that we would sing and clap and dance and all this stuff, but maybe it was just like, a, it wasn't literal. It was like maybe in our hearts, we can have a bit of joy in our hearts and still sing like this, you know, honestly, like, and I was a little nervous to join in, but at the same time, there was this drawing in, like, I wanted to be part of it. It's like there was this, like, th this is something amazing. So I am sympathetic to some of you maybe who feel a little nervous around all of this, but I suppose, hopefully, there's an element of like, but this is, this is cool, this is natural, this is how it should be. People often say, we don't need to shout in church because God's not deaf. Well, neither are the rugby players deaf. <laughs> but we shout because we're excited. They actually say you shouldn't shout in church because people are sleeping. 
Hopefully not this morning. I remember the first time I lifted my hand in worship. I remember it was a big deal. I can't even remember exactly where it was, but it was like one of those, like, like I want to do it. So it was like this. And then I remember thinking, geez, everyone was looking and everyone was seeing. Then it like went a little higher, you know? It was like, oh. And then eventually like, you know, and eventually like, and eventually like, you know, I don't care. If God wants me to worship like that, like I actually, I can't give a rip what anyone else thinks about me. It's crazy how like self-conscious we are when it comes to these things. And we're more concerned about what others think than what God thinks. And this is how Jesus dealt with this. Listen to this, John 12. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed him, in him. So these are Christians. But because of the Pharisees, the people around them, the, the religious ones, the people that are gonna potentially judge them and look at them, they would not confess their faith. For fear, they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved, listen to this, they loved the praise from men more than the praise from God. That's a challenging one, right? They were more concerned about what the Pharisees thought than what God thought. And let's just be honest. Pride does that for us. We're more concerned about what others think around us than what God thinks. And I just think we've exchanged that and we need to do something about it. We, we cannot worry what people think about us. And let it not be true of us today. You want to worship, but it doesn't just quite, your, your toes like are moving, but you just can't move those feet and like actually start to get into the groove. Pride. The third is hedonism. I don't know if you're familiar with this word, but hedonism is basically, it's the belief that pleasure or happiness is the goal of life. Like if it feels good, like we're just gonna do it. And, and you can see hedonism across the world today. It's like, I'm gonna do it my way. Like, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm gonna, if it just feels good, I mean, that's the Nike slogan, right? Just do it. And then they changed it because they felt that it was like potentially a bad thing. Uh, then, then it became, I can for a, for, for a time. Like, oh, I can, I, I can do whatever I want. And the thing is, with hedonism is you don't actually have morals, you have feelings. You see, because morals come from who we are and how we've been taught. But it's like, well, forget about that. Morals out the window, choices out the window. Actually, I'll just do what I feel. What I feel like doing. And you see that in the world today with so many different things. But don't judge me. That's how I feel. I'm going to live true to myself. But it's not a great way to live. Because feelings can never, ever be trusted. Can you imagine we just did what we felt every single time? Have any of you felt like hitting someone before? Have, you, have any of you felt like swearing at someone? Maybe some of you, even yet today, just feel like standing up and say, you're talking nonsense, like I'm out of here. Maybe, I don't know. Feelings can't be trusted. Even when it comes to a, a worship environment, even the feeling of the presence of God, you know, when people talk about the goosebumps or the Holy Spirit or whatever it is, that, can I just tell you, that's amazing, but that's not the goal. We're here to give God what He deserves, whether we feel like it or not. And there will be times, many times, you come into church on a Sunday and you don't feel like worshiping. Many of you guys maybe had a late night. You're like, no worship leader is gonna stand up here and tell me to clap my hands because I don't feel like it. But since when was worship ever about us? He's worthy. And this is how it plays out. We go, oh, I don't know if I like that song. Oh, not this one again. Oh no, Tanner, he's leading worship. 
Tanner's in the studio behind there. He's probably like, oh, these lights, they drive me mad. They're coming up here and like, what the sound? Oh, can I just be honest with you? All these things that we put together here, it's not to impress anyone, but it's to give glory to God. Really, it is. It's just to give glory to God. The, the Bible actually says, like, if you don't worship, the, the rocks are going to worship. <laughs> I mean, rocks don't move, but God's like giving an extreme example there. When we see movement in nature, it's just all giving worship to God. It's what He deserves. And there's this concept in the Bible, it says this in Hebrews 13, through Jesus, therefore, let us continue, continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess His name. It's a sacrifice, friends. We're not waiting to feel all good before we do something. It's actually better when it costs us something. When I don't feel like doing something, how many of you know that you push through and that's when you experience the absolute blessing and reward? It's the same with exercise. It's the same with health, healthy eating. Like to be honest, I'm on a healthy eating thing at the moment and I have been for two years, but, but you know, when you just go through seasons and to be honest, I've, my favorite, I hardly eat cereal anymore, but gin bought choc malt Woolworths cereal. It's my favorite. You know, the chalk malt energy cereal. And the box was there in the pantry this morning and I went in there and it was tempting. But I know if I have it, I can't have one bowl. I've got to have three. So I avoided it, okay? It's costly. It's a sacrifice. And maybe some of you today say, well, it's not really my personality to, you know, sing and all that stuff. But what if it's God's? <laughs> what if he requires it of us? It's like the love languages. Anyone read the book? How we give and receive love in, in, in five different ways. I have to figure out what Jin's love language for her is, like how she feels loved. I can buy her all the gifts in the world and although she appreciates them, it's not her primary love language. And it's terrifying, the older she gets, the more expensive they get. But her love language is acts of service. So I've got to serve her to feel loved. Mine is uh, words of affirmation. Like, I'm like, just tell me I'm amazing. <laughs> Most guys, like, just, just tell me I'm nice. I'm like, even if I'm in trouble, Jin, just tell me nicely, please. Like, seriously, I'm, I'm that. And I'm also physical touch. I like Jin to be affectionate towards me. And we love our space, uh, space, our spouse based on how they like to receive love. And we're gonna talk about that in a, a few more weeks' time. But how do we love God? What if it's His love language? to be worshiped the way that he encourages us to worship him in the Psalms. Okay, the fourth one, and it's a made up word, it's spectatorism. Just sounds better like that, right? And, and it's this, like for some of us today, well, I showed up today, it's a worship service, it's, it's, so I'm just, I'm here, so that, that's worship, right? Worship is not a service. It's an expression and it's a response to God. Just because we hear, that's great that we hear, but we have to engage. We've got to participate. And as I said to you earlier, church, church worship services often re resemble um, people actually watching rugby. It's a few million people needing exercise, watching 30 people in desperate need of rest. But God doesn't want us just to spectate, but he wants us to participate. Using again the marriage analogy. Imagine I, I said to Jin, like, I love you, like once, and like, 
I don't need to tell you again. Sometimes if I haven't told her in a while, she reminds me, you haven't told me that. So I'm like, okay, and then I tell her, okay? It's just not gonna fly if I'm not participating and I'm not giving energy to the relationship and it's not this mutual thing. We need to express. I heard this joke of this couple, they ended up in counseling and um, the lady was saying, you know, she, he never tells me that he loves me. And the counselor was like, well, why, why don't you start telling her? Do you tell her that you love her? He goes, I told her this on our wedding day that I loved her. And if anything changed, I'd let her know. <laughs> God knows you love him, but he just wants to hear it. It's like the people around us. They, they just want to know. They just want to hear it. James 4 8 says, come close to God and he will come close to you. Be intimate with God. Speak to God. Tell him you love him and he will come close to you. And many of us are waiting on God, but God already made his move. He sent his son Jesus to earth. He made a sacrifice that you would never make yourself. He sacrificed his son to show his love for you. And my hope through this worship series closer is that you're gonna get closer to God so next year, 2023, can be an incredible year for you because you're walking close with Jesus. Hebrews 10 says, let us draw near to God with sincere heart in full assurance of faith. With sincere heart. Take that next step. Off the back of this last series, start to read your word a bit more. Maybe some of you say, I'm not sure if I can worship the way that you're suggesting here today. Just take that next step. If you've never sung before, just sing. If you've never lifted your hand before, just do a little, like that, you know, I don't know. Try it. And I promise you now, you will become free. Honestly, when you just get rid of fear of man, it is so liberating and freeing. Take that next step. The fifth, the last point, then I'm gonna give you three quick things what God really wants from us. The fifth, and this is a biggie, that exchange is tradition. Now don't, don't judge um, traditional churches because we can be tradition, traditional. Do you know that? We do things. Tradition is just a certain way that you do something. It's like the patterns and the ways that we do things. And I, and I really don't want to offend anyone today, but, but I do think that sometimes tradition can be an exchange. Well, they don't have pews in this church. This is just ridiculous. There's no stained glass windows. I remember we got a lot of flack when we built this church. It looks like a, a, a warehouse, like a farming thing. What are these grain silos on the corner? There's no cross. And then we did put a cross up, but anyway. And, and these traditions can get in the way. We can worship God any place, anywhere, anytime. I heard uh, recently somewhere, uh, I don't know if it was at a school, but someone got really offended or upset because they weren't closing their eyes when they were praying. You, you need to close your eyes when you pray. Well, please don't do that when you're praying and driving. Seriously, like... We can pray to God. I mean, imagine we had to do a certain way, like, Jin, I just want to talk to you today. I've got five minutes, and then I'm going to make my request. And it's, it's, it shouldn't be like that. It's a relationship. We don't have to do it a certain way. You don't have to get on your knees. If you want to get on your knees, you can. You don't have to put your hands like this, but if you want to, you can. Don't make those things the idol. Often I think we adore traditions more than we actually adore God and we make it about something and because if those things aren't in place then we can't worship I remember one of the most powerful worship times I ever saw was this little Chinese church in China 
They didn't have instruments. They had, I think they had a tambourine and a block and that's all they had. And it was the most incredible video of people worshiping I've ever seen. No drums, guitars, no sound. Matthew 15 says this, Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Thus, you nullify the Word of God for the sake of your tradition. So it comes to nothing because of the traditions. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's lip service. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely about human rules. Did you know that's in the Bible? God doesn't like the traditional patterns of man, the human rules, the man-made stuff. It just gets in the way. Okay, as I come to close in the last couple of minutes. So that's not what it is. Okay, well, what is it? And please be with us for the next three weeks because we're gonna find out more what it really means to worship. But just very briefly, just, just three things. What, what is worship? And just to read this Psalm, it's a prophetic Psalm, meaning it was, David was writing it on behalf of God. So God was speaking it to him. Okay, are you with me? And it says here, I have no complaint about your sacrifices or your burnt offerings you constantly offer. And that's a good thing because God told him to do it. He's like, I appreciate that, that you've done what I've asked you to do. But I don't need the bulls from, the, from your barns or the goats from your pens. Like, I, I don't need it. I own those things already in a way, anyway. For all the animals of the forest are mine and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. So you offering them back, that's great. It's like when we give our tithe to God, He appreciates it, but He gave us everything. So we return it to Him and He's like, that's amazing. Like, but just don't forget that I gave you it all. I can take away your job like this if I wanted to, not that He's going to, but you hear what I'm saying? I own it all anyway. All the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For all the world is mine and everything in it. He owns it all. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Question, no. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need meat of bulls. Do I drink the blood of goats? No. Now, this might sound not theological to you, but I'll tell you why it is. God gave away something to us that He, he, He can't control if it were removed. There's one thing that He gave away that he can't control. And that is our will. It's our free will. He could have forced us to love him like robots. You will do as I say, you will worship this way and we just are programmed to do it exactly as he said. But God gave us free will. Can you imagine if the people that are in your family love you because they were forced to? Like an arranged marriage. I mean, how terrible would that be? You will never really know if they actually love you because it's forced. God gave us a free will and that's when we experience true love, when we have a choice on how we're gonna express that love. And it goes on to say, there's three things there. It says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. I would appreciate it if you were obedient towards me, yes. And then this, then call on me when you're in trouble. I would just like it if you spoke to me when, when you needed some help. And then he says, I will rescue you and I will give, and you will give me glory. That's how you give me glory. That's how you give me worship with those three things. So the last three things to start your worship journey and to give God what he really wants. The first is this, we need to thank him. Just, just thank him. 
Thank Him with sincere affection. It's not about ticking a box or I've, I've, I've done my duty of going to church today. I've been, you know, home group, I've done that. I'm, I read my Bible, I've served. Those are great. But just give Him some appreciation. When we see that little orange ball come up in the morning, just marvel and say, God, you're amazing. You created that. I love sunrises and sunsets. It's the most incredible thing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I think God just wants us to thank Him. Parents here today, isn't it amazing when your kids thank you out of their own free will? I know you've had to teach them for many, many years just to thank you, but I mean, my kids are getting better at it, but um, we don't often go out to dinner as a family, but when we do go out, there's six of us, so it's quite expensive. You hear what I'm saying? And they, like, as they get older, they, they don't eat kiddies' meals. They eat the big things. Jude will have a pizza and go, can I have another one? I'm like, no, you can't. It's 140 rand, buddy. But for me, just, and I know sometimes cost is always a thing, you know, but, but for me, at the end of the meal, it's all worth it if the kids just say, hey, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate, appreciate that, because that cost you something. Thank you for, for blessing us. That's all we want, right, as parents? All the kids in the room, is that what we want, parents? Listen to that, kid. And can I say this without it coming across in the wrong way? I, I really do appreciate when some of you guys say, hey, thanks for this, or thanks, that, that really impacted me. And uh, sometimes we get little notes as pastors and, and, and or people say, oh, you, you sung nicely. Like someone came to me on Friday night and going, yeah, I'm thinking, oh, you, you sing nicely. Like, and I appreciate all of that. But can I be honest with you? I've been doing this a long time now. It doesn't feed my soul. I appreciate it. And I'm not saying don't stop, it's like stop doing it. But to me, honestly, it's those that know me and love me the most appreciate what you do. That's, that means everything in the world. Are you listening? Someone said it like this, success isn't having the love and respect from people who don't really know you, but rather those who are close to you. Think about it. Chronicles says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. He's just looking for our hearts to be fully committed to Him. Not those who showed up at church and gave their tithe, but those whose hearts were like, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Quickly, last two is, is offer. Offer Him the control of your life. Just offer. Not a half commitment. Can I just say this? We need to stop dating God, but actually walk up to the altar, put a ring on it and make a commitment to God, a full commitment. That's worship. Fully committed, fully engaged. Romans says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters and viewers God's mercy, mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Your whole life, your eyes, your hands, your feet, everything you do to God and, and holy and pleasing to God. This Listen to this, is your true and proper worship. That's worship. It's not a song. It's offering our lives to God. Our work, our time, our relationships, our money, our schools, our, our everything we offer to God. And then lastly, God just says, recognize the need for me, please. When you're in trouble, call me. And that is included in, every, in your everyday life. He just wants to be included. He wants to be the center of your marriage. 
He wants to be the center of your social life. It's not like, okay, God, I'm leaving this behind and I'm gonna go drawling now and I'm just gonna, he's there with you anyway. Include him in that. Include him in your work. Include him in your going on. Include him in your holidays. Include him in everything. Your whole life. Deuteronomy says, do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you for the Lord your God is among you, is a jealous God. He wants your whole life. He, he wants you in every, he, he wants to be included in every area of your life. So what does God really want? To thank Him, to offer to Him and to include Him. And I think last statement, I suppose, is what God really wants is relationship with me. He wants relationship with us. And as we end today, ask the question in your heart, where's God? Where is God in the order of priority or list in your life? Chances are He's at the top of your list because you're here today. But is He number one? Giving your life to God or salvation is not about joining a church or being a good person, but it's about reordering that list so that He's at the top. As Romans says that, you know, we we acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord He's the Lord, he's, he's God, He's in charge, then you will be saved. So let's start afresh today. And um, I hope that encouraged you today. I hope that it also stirred some faith and really encouraged you to be with us for the next few weeks. Um, we got my mom gonna be speaking next week on worship. I think you don't wanna miss that. And uh, then Colin's gonna do week three. And then I'll, I'll be back and we're gonna do week four. We look at how we actually worship God, but it's gonna be an amazing series. And just come on the journey with us. I'm gonna ask Cole to come and pray as, as the band come on up.